0: One of the most striking aspects of the image of divine mercy is that line on the bottom, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Today we'll reflect briefly on the trust that we all ought to have in the Lord. Before we do that, let's take a few minutes to review the particular graces attached to today's feast. We've heard all this before, but it bears repeating. Our Lord told St. Faustina, quote my daughter tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. I desire that the Feast of Mercy be a refuge and shelter for all souls, and especially for poor sinners. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the font of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. On that day, all the divine floodgates through which grace flow are opened. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. Close quote our Lord. Now, it was a 500-page analysis. It's the most in-depth analysis ever written on the graces of the Feast of Divine Mercy, and it was done by Father Ignatzi Rosicki, STD, is a Thomistic theologian, as part of the official investigation into St. Faustina's life and virtues for the congregation for the cause of the saints. Father Rosicki, quote, In this matter, four points are beyond all doubt. A, the special grace was promised in the context of the Feast of Mercy. B, it was directly attached to to receiving Holy Communion on this day, C, it consists in the total remission of sins and punishment, and D, it is theologically possible. Close quote. Father Ezekiel comments, the most exceptional grace promised by Jesus for the Feast of Divine Mercy is something considerably greater than a plenary indulgence. It is also greater than the graces of the other sacraments, with the exception of the sacrament of baptism, for the remission of all sins and punishment is found only in the sacramental grace of baptism. In the promises cited, Christ tied the remission of all sins and punishment to the reception of Holy Communion on the Feast of Divine Mercy. In other words, in this regard, he raised it to the rank of a second baptism. It is obvious that in order to effect a complete forgiveness of sins and punishment, the Holy Communion received on the Feast of Divine Mercy but must not only be partaken of worthily, but it also must fulfill the basic requirements of the Divine Mercy devotion. Received unworthily, without trust in Divine Mercy, and devoid of some deed of mercy towards neighbor, it would be a contradiction of rece- devotion to the Divine Mercy. Instead of the exceptional grace, it would bring down upon the recipient divine wrath. Close quote. Okay, so the special grace granted on the feast of divine mercy is directly attached to receiving Holy Communion on this day. It consists in the total remission of sins and punishment, and it's considerably greater than a plenary indulgence and a lot easier to gain. What about confession? Does that have to be made on the feast of divine mercy? Well, certainly uh, it would have to be made before one went to communion if he had mortal sin on his soul. But that would be the only case. As one commentator notes, quote, Christ never specifically asked for the faithful to go to confession on the day of the feast itself, which practically speaking would be an impossible burden upon most pastors. In fact, St. Faustina herself made her confession on the Saturday before Mercy Sunday, diary entry 1072. Whenever times a confession may be offered, The important thing is for the faithful to be encouraged to come to Mercy Sunday in a state of grace, having confessed at least all mortal sins and trusting in the mercy of God. Is there anything else we ought to do? Yes. Our Lord said to St. Faustina, There must also be acts of mercy. I demand from you deeds of mercy which are to arise out of love for me. You are to show mercy to your neighbors always and everywhere. You must not shrink from this or try to excuse or absolve yourself from it. I am giving you three ways of exercising mercy towards your neighbor. The first, by deed. The second, by word. The third, by prayer. And these three degrees contain the fullness of mercy, and it is an unquestionable proof of love for me. By this means, the soul glorifies and pray reverence to my mercy. Even the strongest faith is of no avail Without works. Close quote, Our Lord. What about the plenary indulgence? In a decree dated August 3rd, 2002, the Apostolic Penitentiary announced that, quote, the plenary indulgence is granted under the usual conditions uh, that's uh, the usual conditions are sacramental confession, communion, prayer for the intentions of the Pope to the faithful who on the second Sunday of Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday, in any church or chapel, in a spirit that is completely detached from the affection for a sin, Even a venial sin, take part in the prayers and devotions held in honor of divine mercy, or who, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament exposed or reserved in the tabernacle, recite the Our Father in the Creed, and a devout prayer to the merciful Lord Jesus. For example, Merciful Jesus, I trust in you. Okay. All that by way of review. Now let's spend some time reflecting briefly on the trust that we ought to have in our Lord. And to do that, we'll follow the teaching of that great doctor of the church, the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, who relies especially on the wonderful commentary by Father Jacques Philippe, the way of trust and love. It's uh, virtually everything I'm going to say is just a paraphrase uh, or or a long, elongated series of quotes stitched together. As usual, they'll be cut and pasted. Everyone here has probably heard of the little way of St. Therese, which is how she refers to her path to holiness. Her little way is also known as the way of spiritual childhood, and the reason for that will be, be obvious within a few minutes if you're not already familiar with it. But the point that we want to emphasize today is that trust is an absolutely essential feature of the little way. St. Teresa's sister, Sister Maria of the Sacred Heart, remember a bunch of her sisters, they were all together in Carmel. So Sister Maria of the Sacred Heart... At St. Therese to share the thought she had during a retreat that she made in September of 1896. And if you've read A Story of a Soul, you're familiar with the thought she had. Anyway, after Sister Marie had read these beautiful thoughts of her own blood sister, St. Therese, she wrote a note along these lines to St. Therese. Your text is magnificent, but it left me with a certain sadness. You ardently desire martyrdom, but I have to admit that what you desire is something that I'm afraid of. I flee from what you love. As a result, I'm seriously afraid I will never succeed in loving Jesus as much as you do, and that makes me somewhat sad. You have burning, ardent desires, but I am far from experiencing the same thing in my heart. So St. Therese responded to this little note immediately. She told her sister it wasn't her burning desires or any fervor that she felt that mattered. Quote, My desires of martyrdom are nothing. It is not they that give me the boundless trust I feel in my heart. I'm quite sure it is not at all that which pleases God in my little soul. What pleases him, and she's underlining in this next sentence, what pleases him is to see that I love my littleness and my poverty. It is the blind hope that I have in his mercy. That is my only treasure. Close quote. St. Therese, my desires of martyrdom are nothing. It is not that at all which pleases God in my little soul. What pleases him is to see that I love my littleness and my poverty. It is the blind hope that I have in his mercy. That is my only treasure. Father Philippe comments, these few words are important. St. Therese underlined them because they put things in the right perspective. She did not deny all that she had lived and explained, her times of grace and fervor, but she was fully aware that these were not what made her pleasing to God. What pleased God in her was rather her love for own littleness and her inner poverty, her blind hope in God's mercy, humility, and trust. This is what unfailingly makes us pleasing to God, draws down his grace upon our souls, and makes us the objects of Of his tenderness and love. This is my only treasure, said St. Therese. It can perfectly well be ours. Maybe we don't always feel great desires, burning desire to be martyred, but loving our littleness and placing absolute trust is always within our reach. We can do that without much difficulty. St. Therese, oh, how I'd like to be able to make you understand what I feel. It is trust. And nothing but trust that must lead us to love. Trust is the most characteristic feature of spiritual childhood. You can see that with a small kid. A little boy, a really small boy, never doubts his father's love. He trusts him absolutely. Uh, small children are amazing in this regard. A father can put his very little boy on a table and back way up and say, Come on, run and jump. And without even a thought, the kid will run out and jump because he's not worrying. He's not going to stop and think, I wonder if dad's going to catch me or let him fall. That kind of thing doesn't trouble him for an instant. He just runs because he loves his father, he trusts him completely, and he runs and jumps. That sort of trust is what we want to have. That unlimited trust in God's goodness and faithfulness lies at the very heart of a path to holiness. On the other hand, St. Therese says what hurts God the most, our most serious failings in this regard, is a lack of trust. Quote, what offends Jesus, what wounds his heart, is lack of trust. Close quote, St. Therese. God does not expect of us that we be absolutely perfect, but that we give him our trust. Trust that has to be total. Now, that is not easy to do, since we're all somewhat wounded when it comes to trust. This is one of the remnants of original sin. Man has a tendency to distrust God. He's scared of God. He runs from God instead of trusting him completely. So among the graces that we can obtain from Little Flower, today let's make a particular point of asking for a greater trust in the Lord, in his faithfulness, and in his goodness. Even if you've suffered, been disappointed by life, or had the feeling that God was very far away, which is common to everyone when they're really having a crisis, or even feeling that he's abandoned you, in spite of all that, never doubt God's love, never doubt his faithfulness. So how can we increase our trust in the Lord? Well, one of the first ways is we need to nourish ourselves on sacred scriptures. Everyone who has frequent recourse to God's word has had the experience of one day being troubled or discouraged when a verse of scripture touched him, restored his peace, really touched him in the depths of his soul. Holy scripture is one of the richest, most beautiful, and most effective resources at our disposal. It possesses an authority and power that no human words can have and you can do a lot to nourish our trust in God. These are love letters from God towards us. We want to use scripture. Another thing that increases our trust is to make acts of trust. So trust grows when it's exercised. For example, you might have a, a dangerous operation coming up in a few weeks or worrying about the behavior of one of our children or the economy or all the multitude of things that, that allow people to try, to start losing their trust. What we want to do as soon as we identify that is stop and turn to our Lord and say, I trust you, Lord. I'm placing this problem in your sacred hands and your sacred heart, and I'll let you take care of it. And then go about our business. If we find that we have a tendency to keep bringing that problem back, then we turn to him again, we say the same thing and say, and I ask you to please keep it, not let me take it back from you. And we just want to keep doing that sort of thing. And as we do those sort of things, our trust will increase because we're making acts of trust in our Lord. And by doing that, we'll increase in trust. It won't make the difficulties vanish, but it will cause us to experience God's faithfulness in reply. St. Therese quote: Trust works miracles. Close quote. We realize that in this or that situation, which seemed absolutely insoluble, things have mysteriously sorted themselves out. It's a very simple approach to God, but over the long term it's very effective. That's the beauty of the little way it's so simple. So we can nourish and strengthen our trust by listening to the word of God, reading Holy Scripture, by prayer, by acts of trust we make in difficult moments, and then by experiencing God's faithfulness. It's essential that we place our trust in God. Sometimes we're under more or less of an illusion about this. For example, sometimes we manage to do what's right. We're living a good and virtuous life. We have great trust in God. There's no problems. We're just sailing along smoothly. And then a difficulty presents itself. We commit a fault that really humiliates us. We make a wrong decision, which we're faced with, uh, or, we, we, or, it, or it's even worse when other people notice it. So at that point in time, we're brought face to face with our defects and shortcomings, and we become sad and discouraged. All our great trust in God has suddenly melted away like snow in bright sunshine. What this means is what we call trust in God was, in fact, trust in ourselves. If trust disappears when we mess up, it shows that our trust we had was not based on God, but on our own abilities, on our own gifts. Discouragement is a clear sign that we placed our trust in self and not at all in God. That's important to keep in mind. If discouragement, uh, truth, trust disappears when we mess up, it shows our trust wasn't based in God, but on ourselves and our deeds. Discouragement is a clear sign we have placed our trust in ourselves, and not in the Lord trust that is truly blessed in the Lord whether we're doing well or badly whether we're happy or unhappy with ourselves should never waver God's love doesn't have eclipses it's vital that our trust should rest not on our personal achievements but on God's love his tenderness his infinite mercy the fact that he's our father and he's not going to abandon us there's a subtle but very common temptation in the spiritual life With the excuse of wanting to be perfect, we seek to examine our inner selves too much, to evaluate ourselves and measure our progress. The usual result is a sort of discontentment and permanent sadness slips into our lives since we're never fully satisfied with ourselves. Such an attitude causes us to center on self, when what we need to do is throw ourselves on God with unlimited trust. We're more concerned with ourselves than about God. Sometimes people that are really serious about growing in holiness tend to focus almost completely on themselves in the beginning of this stage. You're not going to go anywhere when you do that because holiness is precisely not about focusing on yourself. The only way to really forget about ourselves is to place our hope in God. It doesn't mean we shouldn't examine our, examine our conscience. We have to do that. But we should ensure that the examination of conscience doesn't sort of turn into sort of interior gazing and getting gloomy looking at ourselves and our weaknesses. In one passage, St. Therese explains the extent to which trust makes us pleasing to God and attracts his graces. Important passage, St. Therese. I would like to try and make you understand, by a very simple comparison, how much Jesus loves souls, including imperfect ones, who entrust themselves to him. Imagine that a father has two naughty, disobedient sons. When he comes to punish them, he sees one of them running away in fear and trembling, knowing his heart of hearts that he deserves to be punished. Well, his brother does the opposite. He throws himself into his father's arms, telling him he's sorry to have hurt him, that he loves him, and he will prove it by being good from now on. Then if that child asks his father to punish him with a kiss... I don't think the happy father could harden his heart against his child's trust, knowing his sincerity and love. Of course, he knows his son will fall into the same faults again and again, but he's ready to forgive him every time if his son catches him by the heart every time. Close quote, St. Therese of Lisieux. We want to make darn good and sure that we're catching God by the heart Every time we mess up for anyone interested in growing in holiness, this is just essential to grasp. St. Therese. Yes, I feel that even though I had on my conscience all the sins that can be committed, I would go heartbroken with repentance to throw myself into Jesus' arms because I know how dearly he loves the prodigal son who returns to him. People might think it is because I have not sinned that I have such great trust in God. If I had committed all possible crimes, I would still have the same trust. I feel that all that multitude of offenses would be like a drop of water falling into a blazing furnace. Let's close. Our Lord told Saint Faustina that the more a soul trusts, the more it'll receive. Today, every one of us should make an effort, to say a quick prayer to Saint Therese, begging her for greater trust in the Lord. Then strive to make as devout a communion as possible, with as great a trust in the divine mercy as possible, so as to receive the most, the greatest grace possible. Each one of us should also strive to obtain the indulgence and then offer it up for the poor soul most in need, which is an immense act of mercy. To that end, after Mass, Father will lead the chaplet in prayers for our Holy Father's intentions. Our Lord, I desire that the Feast of Mercy be a refuge and shelter for all souls, and especially for poor sinners. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the font of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. On that day, all the divine floodgates through which grace flow are opened. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. The more a soul trusts, the more it will receive. Even though I had on my conscience all the sins that can be committed, I would go, heartbroken with repentance, to throw myself into Jesus' arms because I know how dearly he loves the prodigal son who returns to him. If I had committed all possible crimes, I would still have the same trust. I feel that all the multitudes of offenses would be like a drop of water falling into a blazing furnace. My Jesus, I trust in you.